When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Equity of up to one hundred and fifty million pounds. You're not the theatre, fun. You're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us. It is episode 95, and uh, we've got a quick, got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of drama in Spurs world. Uh, Scott is alongside me. He is at DSM Spurs, and uh, he's going to talk through this one with me. We'll also be joined by Shuban later, but uh, I first throw it out to Scott. What's going on, man? Not much. Relaxing. From the neutral perspective of the World Cup now, which is, I don't know, kind of nice, but um yeah and i'm finally back home i was on the road for like six weeks so nice to uh nice to be settled yeah no doubt about that um we're gonna get to talking about the world cup and and we'll we'll talk a little bit about the women's team as well which uh suffered another defeat today but um we would be remiss if we didn't kind of start this this podcast sadly enough on on a on an awful note um as everyone in the soccer community knows, uh, the great American journalist uh, Grant Wall died in Qatar uh, earlier uh, in the weekend, uh, following the one, one of the quarterfinal matches. And um, I, this is something that really, really shook me. Um, it was there's obviously there's obviously a lot of speculation, which I don't think we need to get into about about the the death itself. But um, it, removing all of that kind of aside, I just think that that watching someone who we as you and I as Americans have have followed all throughout his career um seeing someone like this leave leave us far too soon um was really really heartbreaking like I said not just for for the soccer community but for the sports community writ large uh losing a a great a great journalist and and by all accounts a great person uh like this yeah absolutely it was shocking and um yeah very surprising I think Grant Wall has been such a huge part of everything soccer for me for as long as I've been involved in, in the sport or whatever. So yeah, it was really sad news and, you know, just all the strength and positive vibes and thoughts or whatever to his family and friends and um, everybody who's feeling it. But yeah, rest in peace to him. Super sad news. Yeah. I, I, I did take some solace on, on Saturday. I read a lot of his, his content, and, and especially like his old work, um, not a lot of people realize he he wrote the ori- previously worked for Sports Illustrated. He wrote the original cover story for Sports Illustrated on LeBron James. And it's one of those things that you wouldn't have thought about. How did how did that soccer journalist? Get, well, he wasn't always a soccer journalist. He covered he covered other sports uh, prior to, to focusing on soccer and um, to, to have that kind of 
cachet to be able to write a story like that the first ever cover story for this kid and he and he followed him in high school I think it was a high school timeline uh in akron ohio and and wrote the first cover story which i'm sure you can find in in si's archives um wrote a lot of massive soccer centric stories for si and and really did so much just specifically for american soccer and american fandom in soccer over his career um and and really helped to grow the game in this country in ways that i don't think you know for our international listeners i don't think that can really be comprehended fully just the 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 growth that he helped the game in america create um just through his outstanding journalism and passion for the sport um a really big advocate too for the women's game um just really really a an awful awful loss um i feel for 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 obviously his family and and his colleagues as well you know i i the other thing i want to say about this is i've been super super critical of the job that fox sports has done of course fox sports is grant wall's former employer and i've been critical of the job that fox sports has done covering this world cup but i really really feel for those broadcasters and and those on-air personalities and all the people who knew grant wall having to continue to cover this thing and put on you know the, the show that they're putting on while going through this as well seeing seeing the video the other morning of rob stone addressing it um just really got to me because you it, you really feel for for the people that were closest to him and that 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 grew up in this world with him um and having to go through that for for someone that you were so close to is just it's an awful thing to have to deal with and um it's i it was just a, it was a tough weekend for the soccer community as a whole and i i don't think that can really be understated oh. yeah spot on it, it the, the the rift of this thing was wide um and grant you know he's been such a, a champion for like you said the women's game but just equality in general you know i retweeted something yesterday where i can't remember where the tweet who who actually you know put out the original tweet but they ran into Grant Wall, um, and Grant had invited them down to, to his studio in New York City and, and interviewed them for an hour, um, you know, on some things going on with the uh, Afghan women's national team. So just always taking time out of his day, you know, and his schedule, which was certainly very busy to, to do what's right. And you don't really find those types of folks uh, terribly often anymore, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, you know, a tough loss for the soccer community, but just the world in general. Uh, and again, rest in peace to Grant. No question about it. Uh, Forty-nine years young, just 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 far too, far too young uh, to, to to leave, and and the way that that it went down with him doing something he loved um, is covering covering soccer and covering this World Cup. Um, no no easy way to make a transition, but let's talk a little bit about this World Cup. Um, the the quarterfinal games were incredible. <laughs> like they all four, I thought, were were really really great. I don't think you can pick out, you know, a signature moment per se from any of the four games. But obviously, I think the the one that Spurs fans would probably have most of their attention turned on is that France England game. Um, talked a little bit with Shuban about it, which we'll get into. So I don't want to go too depth on too much in depth on. Um, you know, England itself or France itself, but I want to talk about the Harry Kane and, and Hugo Lloris of it all with you because 
man, that was awkward. And I didn't, I didn't think watching that game that I would have nerves at any point because I'm, you know, a neutral. I was pulling for England just because I think it would be cool to see someone who didn't win it last time win it this time. But I was nervous for both of Harry Kane's penalties against Hugo Lloris. I, I almost couldn't watch for some reason. I just got really into it. Um, how did you go through that watching that and, and what were your thoughts on it and, and just kind of what, what impact that, that kind of thing might have on Harry Kane going forward? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a big bummer for Kane. And, you know, he said it himself via social media, something that's going to take him a little while to get over. Um, I think I felt pretty strongly that France was going to win, but once England was given that penalty, I think my, my emotions, you know, I don't, I didn't really get emotional about it. I was pretty, pretty even keeled again, really not having a ton invested in the whole deal. But as soon as, as Kane got that opportunity, I think the only thing I was thinking was surely it's two, two now, and this is going to get really interesting, right? Cause Kane just doesn't miss, but he did. And, and immediately I just, I felt really bad for him. Um, you know, England has so much pressure as a nation on its put so much pressure as a nation on on its men's national team, and you know I'm sure its women's team will follow suit. But but that men's team carries so much weight. Um, 66 obviously being the last time that the originators of the sport took it home. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just a little bit concerned for Kane, but I think that he's he's a he's you know a badass, a mentality monster, if you will. And I'm sure he'll get over it. Right. He always knows how to find the right headspace. But, um, I think I, I'm more interested from this first perspective to see how this affects the rest of the season. I think if I'm, if I'm Kane or sorry, if I'm Hugo, I'm going straight to Kane after that match and saying, go home, get ready. And I'll be back soon. And we're going to win the premier league, you know, shake that off. I'll see you back in, in North London and, and let's go, let's go for a couple of big trophies at Tottenham, right? Shake, shake this one off because Hugo will know how much that hurts Kane. Um, and I think, you know, Kane, again, he said this himself, but he just puts so much responsibility on anything that he knows is his job. Right. Um, and, and he came out and said, you know, the, the piece that, that I was responsible for was what we fell short in. And again, I think how he how he responds from this is going to be more important than, than you know what it means in the moment. Um, and I do think that if he plays his cards right, he can build off off of you know this emotion and and focus in um, knowing he was so close with Tottenham. But again, it's something that he's going to have to to really you know work through. It's a big moment and a and a big miss and something you just don't see from who I think is the world's greatest penalty taker i think that's well said um i again all four of the games i thought were remarkable of course the first two on friday both went to penalties um that that argentina netherlands game was almost a boxing match a few different times it was frisky there were i don't know something i think there were more than 15 yellow cards doled out in that match it was it was insane um the portugal morocco uh clash was just tight the whole time and extremely tense and you know kind of always thought morocco would have a chance to beat that team but it was you you never really fully believed it until that final whistle went 
Um, it was just, it was, the games were really, really fun this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday rather. Um, and I, as kind of wild as this world cup has been, it's, it seems a fitting final four, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you and I messaged about this a little bit and I have to preface all of this by saying I do not support this world cup. Right. And, um, or at least, you know, as, as much as I can say that having to watch matches, but it is interesting to see this world cup played in season, which is my point here. And I think it's added to the quality of the soccer. And I think it's added to the parody. Um, I think when you have when you have that four to six week gap in between any competitive soccer in the World Cup, I think those nations with better soccer infrastructure are, are going to to be more equipped to to use those six weeks efficiently and come ready to play in a tournament. And I think certain teams don't have that luxury. And I think when all of these guys are coming straight off of a competitive match, hopping on a plane and then going and playing in a, a World Cup match a week later. Again, it just made it made the football more fresh and I think it added to the parity. I think, you know, some of these larger teams or these guys like Germany, like Spain, have been competing at the highest level in Europe right after this match. You know, you wonder how quickly they were able to shift their focus to playing immediately for the national team in a world cup where guys who weren't maybe competing, uh, you know, at that level didn't have to go through that. And, and not to say teams like Japan, Morocco, you know, aren't, aren't playing at the highest level. Cause they are, those guys are playing at the highest level without a doubt, but you know, they're, they're probably not competing in the champions league round of 16 match. Some of them are, but, but much more so across these teams that I've mentioned, right, that maybe didn't show up. So a lot of things factored into it. But like you said, it's been a wild World Cup, and I don't think it's, it's that surprising when I reflect back on it because of, of the timeliness of all of it. Um, but all that being said, let's go back and have some World Cups and, and, give, and get back to normal. But in the meantime, we'll enjoy a really exciting uh, final four, if you, if you want to use an American euphemism, right? But a couple semifinals, and I think, you know, as much as France is going to be favored, Morocco is going to show up and they're going to put up a fight. And I do not think that Morocco should be taken lightly in that match. Um, and then on the other side, Argentina, you know, they're a talented team. They're riding a little bit of magic, but like you said, you know, Croatia is as well. And Croatia has a team full of guys who know how to play in major tournaments, right? So, again, exciting couple of semifinals coming up from the neutral perspective. I'll say this right now about France. I thought of the eight teams in the quarterfinals, I actually thought their performance might have been the worst of the eight, and they still got got through with a 2-1. Um, yeah. And, and I'm not even saying relative to expectation. I thought the other four uh, other four on the other side of the bracket, and including uh, the two in that Morocco Portugal match, I, I thought I thought all seven other teams ha- almost had better performances than France, and France still got through. So I, I agree. I think it's going to be two interesting games, and regardless of of the final, and regardless of the result, it kind of gives us an opportunity. And this was even really true 
with the quarterfinals. There were really good storylines, at least for all of these teams. Morocco, obviously, is, 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 is the most obvious one. First African nation to make the semifinal would be the first in the final or to win it, obviously, too. Um, and then you've got Argentina with Messi. There's a storyline. You've got France going for the first back-to-back since the 60s when Brazil did it. And then Croatia, to me, people might think, oh, what's the storyline there? I, I don't know. I think it's a Croatia's a badass little country in Europe that has never won one before, but would kind of be gr- a great addition in my mind to kind of the new class, the, the, a, a next next winner of this thing, because there's only been so many winners. I think Croatia would be a cool addition into that family of world cup winners um and a deserving country too and and they were we forget they were in the final and during the last one like they did have a chance um it would be really wild too if it, if it was a rematch of that final there's a distinct possibility that croatia and france uh meet again which is was the 2018 final so um yeah from here on out who do you who do you got i mean i've had argentina and france in the final from day one so i'm just i think you know, if I if I want to pick with my head, I say those two get through. But I don't know, man. I think I think there's every reason to believe that we see Morocco and Croatia in the final. I really do. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head with France. Chumani's goal. I think I'm saying his name right. I hope Chumani's goal was incredible. And people are talking about Pickford not being tall enough. Whatever. That was just a rocket and a rip. And to have the, the the confidence, maybe audacity to hit that in that moment, you know, it takes takes enough. But but to put it in the back of the net is another thing. That kid's a real talent. And I don't think without a moment of brilliance from him, France comes close to winning that game. I think if they don't score that goal, England runs over them yesterday. I really do. Um, Hugo bailed France, France out a couple times too. We'd be remiss not to not to talk about Red as a Spurs spot. Um, Little little irritated with Hugo still right now, but he did he did come up big in a couple moments yesterday, and that can't be overlooked. So, anyways, I don't think there's any reason to believe Morocco can't go uh, beat beat France as well. You know, I watched this game with my wife yesterday. She was you know is is not one to sit and watch sports on television very often, um, but she was interested because it's the world cup and wanted to sit down and I was, I was excited about watching the England France match. Um, and she kind of had to ask me why I was rooting for England over France, considering, you know, they both have a, a starting player for Tottenham. And I mean, granted England have two players total, but she, you know, she knows the connections there. She knows Hugo is France's captain and, and Spurs goalie. And it, you know, there was no educating on her that stuff. She knew that stuff, but she was, but explaining to her why I was supporting England, over france other than a little bit of a financial stake in in those matters um the 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 other reason was kind of hugo and and a little bit of france just won it four years ago so i don't want to see them repeat because i would like to see a new newer team win it but part of that reason was hugo and it's funny you mentioned like still being a little a little miffed at hugo i mean i'm not i'm not as miffed at hugo for the comments he made before this world cup as i am for just his struggles this season he just has not performed he's had a couple of flashes of games and obviously we saw one on saturday against england as well he had one of those games he's he's had those but overall i think hugo's play has really declined um this season we've seen a pretty steep drop off and I'll be interested if this kind of performance that he had against England could 
arc him to maybe have a good semifinal and even final um, and maybe come into the second half of this season with like a renewed uh, optimism about where he's going and, and if he has more time left. I, I'll bet against that, but I, I'll be interested to see if, if it could be the case. Yeah, I mean, I think with Hugo, I've never known a Spurs world without Hugo. I knew a world where he didn't start every match, but right. I did, I've never known a, a world where he wasn't on on the squad. And it's the first time that I'm ready to just, you know, say we need to we need to be replacing our goalkeeper. And I'm not like saying get out of here, Hugo, or anything like that. But um, you know, I don't. It's starting to feel kind of close, right? Like it's, it's starting it's, to feel. You can yeah. see that area. Yeah, I mean, next year, I don't think he should be our starting goalkeeper. I think that's where I'm at. You know, I think he has every right to be our starting goalkeeper the rest of this season, but yeah. I think his succession plan has to be uh, has to be in plan now, right? Or has to be in play now, sorry. I, I, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I have no clue. We're hearing Jordan Pickford rumors. I'm all for that. I don't really care. We need something. Um, but Hugo, it's time, it's time to probably move on, and that's hard to say, but you know, I, I I think that it would be very fitting for him to, to win another World Cup, you know, and, and then hang up the, the, the boots at Spurs, at least. We'll see what happens. But but regardless, his play this year, like you said, has not been up to, to standards and has not been up to what we've seen at the World Cup, which has been pretty phenomenal. And I'm, I'm not faulting him for, you know, anything or, or whatnot. I, of course, he's going to rise to the level of the occasion. He's Hugo. I think that's what this is. Maybe it tells us that he's been at Spurs a little bit too long, right? If he's unable to it do might, so, yeah. and and what's happening under Conte. But either way, it's uh, you know, it's probably time. Um, and I'll be interested to see how this plays out. I will as well, and we'll be here to talk about it as well. Uh, let's let's get to Shuban, and we're going to come back and uh, chat a little bit more before we let people go. But I, I talked to Shuban a little bit earlier in the day about his experience uh, watching England fall, and uh, and we, we we talked a little bit about Spurs itself too, and what they did in the past week. So let's hear from Shuban right now. Back in here with Shuban, he is at the real Shuban, and obviously. A lot to talk about with Shubes as England fall out of the World Cup, uh, losing their quarterfinal with France. And as as we talk about, it it was quite Spurs-centric, obviously. There was a lot of drama in this one. Um I I'm I'm gonna start with you here, Shuban. How how disappointed is this as someone who supports England as a as an Englander? Like I, I can't imagine you're too brokenhearted about this because for my money, England were the better team in this game against France, right? All I ever ask is, whether it be Spurs, England, whoever, you just lose of honour. You give everything you have on the pitch. And if... I mean, Hugo was probably, for me, man of the match. I know Griezmann may have got it, but Hugo, for me, was that one of the man, man of the match. And when that happens, you've got to just say, Do you know what? It happens. And you have to take your chances. And I thought... We got caught cold by, obviously, the Chiumene goal, which, like you said about the referee, he didn't give, the, he didn't give a lot of it fouls you know, to England. And obviously, that led, that Chiumene, that was a beautiful strike. Was it 30 yards out or something? Yeah. 30, 35 yards out? It was beautiful. So that you can't really legislate for. Um, and I think we responded well. And if you look at our performance, I mean, 
the best way I can describe it, I think 2014, 2016, the Roy years, it was a real nadir for England. And then, especially 2016, I think, I think we just about got out of the group and then we got hammered by Iceland and it was just terrible. Well, Southgate, I've criticised him many times and I will continue to criticise him. But within two years, he gets us to a World Cup semi, very fortunate draw. Then a European final, very fortunate draw then. This one, I wouldn't say it's fortunate, but um, it's definitely, um, what's the word? We played well, and I thought any other day, you know, we could have beaten France. But France showed their quality, and I think if you look at their front, was it? I think the Griezmann they played more of a drawn role. But the quality, I mean, like Mbappe was kept quiet, and he was, but then Giroud, you know, you know, put a brilliant, you know, brilliant head of by him, really. And uh, Griezmann, again, who has been transformed under Deschamps. So if you look at the quality that France has, uh, think about where France were, like, many years ago. I mean, yes, they had that wonderful period under Zidane, and they fell away, kept going out, group stages, just really struggled. And then, you know, 20, you know, but then obviously that group, you know, this amazing crop of kids, obviously Mbappe, Pogba, Kante all came along. And I look at us and I'm thinking, well, Euro 2024, Foden will be older, Saka will be older, um, Rashford, will, well, he won't be young, he won't be old either. Um, I said Ollie Skip, and I'm still going to say Ollie Skip. I said that. <laughs> You're big and on I the Ollie that. Skip to the national team train. I know that. And I think if you've got players like John Stones, um, obviously Kyle Walker will probably maybe be a little bit too old by then. But Jude Bellingham, obviously have a couple of years under him, Daphne Rice. And you know what? I mean, it's worth obviously Kane, obviously the you know, linchpin of that. But I think Kane will be, what, 31 by then? And if you look at, say, Giroud, I mean, obviously, with, obviously his ankle, it's Kane's ankle, or Kane's ankle survived till, till his 30s. But the way he can play, he's so intelligent. We've seen that with Tottenham as well, using like runners ahead of him to do his running for him. I've always just said, if we can get that one midfielder who could find Kane, you know, the way Ericsson was always so able to. And who knows, maybe a player like that might be a bunch, whether it's Madison or whoever comes through. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually feeling positive. And I, mean, I think Gareth Southgate is going to get his knockers. They'll say, oh, why did you bring on Sterling? Or why did you... Yeah, I, do you know what? I don't know what more he could have done right. So, um, yeah, Giroud was... They're about to bring him off. They're going to bring in, was it Marcus Turam, Lillian Turam's kid, and bring on... Um, to Coleman for um, Dembele. I mean, as well as Dembele, I don't think he was very good. I don't think Rabiot was very good at all. I was like, step up, step up. That midfield, I thought the French midfield looked really good of Cam, you know, to, to, to many. Obviously, that's what I thought. But I thought our midfield did really well against them. I just think, you know, those clutch moments, we didn't take it. I mean, and I think you can, I don't know if, you, you know, I can't think it's, I don't know if it's your team, whatever. I think it's, um, I can't remember which team it was now, but there was, if you look at Baggio, I remember Baggio years ago in that World Cup final, missing the penalty, but it can boil down to it. If you can, you know, those clutch moments, I mean, like, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew's, a, a, you know, the best, one of the best golfers on the depot. I know nothing about golf, but um, it's about holding your nerve. Can you sink that part? And, you know, sometimes, you know, Kane took a penalty, you know, nine times out of ten, you want him to get it, but that one time, 
he may sky it. I'm not saying do it against Southampton, famously. And um, I remember there was a penalty he was meant to score. And if he'd scored that, he would have been 100 Premier League goals. He missed that penalty. Maybe the pressure got to him. And I think because the penalty, the pressure was off, he ended up scoring the penalty against Liverpool, I think it was. And you know what? I mean, 53, you know, goals. I mean, just to put it in context, I thought the Bobby Charlton record would never be beaten. Um, Darren Lineker did try and beat it, and he you know, he missed he missed out I think by one. And then obviously Rooney came along, and in 10 years, you know, obviously he, you know, I think he beat the record. 12 years, he beat the record. For Kane to have done it in seven years is it's just incredible. It really is. And I'm very lucky to have been able to watch Harry Kane emerge. I think I saw his first game at Spurs against Hearts, I think it was. Um, and to watch his coming out party against Chelsea. And like I said, I, I'm still confident in the year 2024. I, I still think, you know, hopefully Mbappe will have, you know, got a gammy leg by him or something by that. And hopefully France doesn't produce any more players because I said, I think France are still my favourites to win it. They had a scare, I think, yesterday, and hopefully that will rally them to their senses and they're going to, you know, go through and probably, you know, do what Honey Brazil have done and actually win back to back titles. So you you brought it up the penalty obviously Kane bangs the first one but the second one maybe the worst pen I've seen from Kane or close to it it was a pretty bad one what what do you make of with this I hate going down this road too far but like is this there's there a a mental thing that can impact him going forward is this going to be something that sticks with him he doesn't strike me as a player that lets this kind of stuff linger and live with him but is there any fear of that for you? Well, there are two things I'm going to say about that. Um, famously, obviously, England and penalties doesn't go very, very well. And I remember Bobby Robson's talking to Chrissy Waddle, and he goes, look, I saw Platini miss a penalty. I've seen Maradona miss a penalty. Yeah? The best players in the world who can do magical things with the ball have missed penalties. Baggio, who literally single-handedly dragged Italy to that World Cup final, missed a penalty. So... It's not. I don't, I don't think it's a mental thing. I mean, obviously, it could be a little bit, obviously, fatigue. You know, obviously, it's a little bit later on in the game, and you're going to be more fatigued. And um, I think there was a bit of a kerfuffle in terms of, that should have been an obvious penalty, but he had to go to VAR and everything else, and that plays on the mind. And I think that just adds the pressure to the goal, because obviously, the goalkeeper just has to guess the right way. That's what it boils down to. And, you know, obviously, it's up to him getting on target, Apparently, he doesn't take a lot of penalties against... Because everyone thinks about him training Hugo, but apparently in penalties, they don't do a lot of penalties against each other, which seems stupid if you think about it, because Kane's probably one of the best penalty takers in the country, if not the world. So why wouldn't Hugo take penalties, say, these penalties practice against Harry Kane and vice versa? But maybe it's like they knew that they were going to play against each other for England or France. I don't know, but... No, I just think it's a poor penalty. It happens. And like I said, the best way, I mean, like... Again, I, have, I don't know anything about golf, but have you seen Tiger Woods miss an early, a, sim, a, a simple putt? Have you ever seen that happen? You, you must have seen it, right? I mean, it, with golf, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting comparison because everyone does miss a short one every now and again. Um, it's just not everyone has that moment against their own, you know, there's no one guarding the cup, obviously, in golf. No, but when it's that pressure, though, it's that pressure. When you're, 
and when you're going up against someone you do know so well, there's something there. And with that, of course, as you mentioned, that pressure. I mean, there are maybe not equal pressures to a, a World Cup quarterfinal in golf, but uh, certainly there have been major pressure putts made and missed in that scenario um, in a high leverage situation. And it, it's just that added element of that added little bit of spice in that there's the guy, there's the captain of your club team um who you know so well and have played with for so many years standing on the other side trying to prevent you from doing what you should be able to do and what you're so good at and that that, that adds a certain layer to it and it and it obviously creates you know content for us to speak about uh, on a podcast like this i must i blame itv because you know what itv uh, so itv are our, um we have two we have behind machine networks we have bbc which is like license fee paid no adverts and all the other networks which are, which are ad fees and I'm thinking, just as about Kane and Hugo are about to embrace, they cut away to the ad breaks. You know, it's, I think, like I said, Hugo, I mean, there was a really touching moment, like, Hugo was, like, you know, consoling him. But I don't know if you saw this or not, but Jordan Pickford was saying to the cameraman, like, fuck off, you are not taking a picture of our captain. And that togetherness, I mean, I saw a lot of, I mean, social media, I think, what, what do you call it, the bird app, is always so full of shit. The way Tottenham fans applauded Saka, I'm hoping they're not. It's not going to happen. No one's going to applaud Harry Kane, especially in a, in a friendly. But I'm hoping like Brentford, they're pretty nice guys. They're going to basically applaud Harry Kane, you know, because I honestly say this: Harry Kane has been England's only world-class player for the last since the decline of Roy Rooney. He has been the person that's come that's emerged. Players like Jude Bellingham and Phil Foden, and, and I think Saka as well, will probably emerge and you know become what I call like undroppables under England. But right now, Harry Kane is the only undroppable. And like I said, I think we spoke about this last week, the psychological impact of it. But there's something that, I mean, there was a lot of people disappointed. If you, I think you've seen the Instagram story that, that Harry Kane's done. He goes, we, you know, we're disappointed. We go again and we work even harder. And I just said to my mate, and I'm giving a shout out to my mate Connie in um, New York Spurs. I'm going to say, do you know what? Harry Kane is going to do, he's going to, you know what, when Beckham had his thing against Argentina, the following season he led United to trouble. I'm going to say this now, this is a real homage to Scotty as well. We're going to win the Champions League. Kane is going to blast us at the Champions League and he will get more goals than Erling Haaland. If he is not, this is going to motivate him to work even harder. And maybe I've had, I haven't had an edible, so <laughs> they're illegal here. But honestly, I am high on Harry Kane. Because I honestly think he's, this is going to motivate him to really give like the performances. If he's not even, I'm not saying he's not motivated, but the more stick you give him, the more he's going to take that stick and whack everyone else with it. Fair enough. Uh, before I get you out of here, you uh, you checked out the the friendly that that Spurs played uh, at the team facility uh, this past week. Uh, any any takeaways from that? Who stood out to you? Um, I, oh, I was. I was not sitting. I was not sitting through that whole thing. So you, you, well, can, you I, can let I me know off. how it went. I switched off after seventy-six minutes. I switched off because it was like we had some few, a few other players come along, but I thought Kuliszewski. He was just he that guy is magnificent. I mean, I feel sorry for Brian Hill because if Brian Hill was just a little bit taller and a bit wider, we would be called and and obviously Ginger would be calling him, you know, you know, Danny Kuliszewski because. What that, well, basically, everything that Kuliszewski is able to do, I said, I said this about, I think it was about 
earlier this year when we signed him, because he's a lot physically bigger than a lot of the fullbacks he goes up against, but he's got that little bit of speed and he's got that little bit of trickery, he can get he can get, get past that. He's got that little bit of extra half a kilo or a kilo of strength that gives him that, that edge that Hill doesn't have, so he hasn't got the skill to compensate. Now, Hill did score, and I'm not going to have a go at Brian Hill, but he didn't show anything. You think, oh, my God, he stood out. He definitely looks bigger. Um, the one thing I did notice, it's really cold here, and you saw a lot of players, like, double layers and holding, having, like, gloves on. Harvey White and Ollie Skip must have, like, I don't know, inbuilt batteries or something, inbuilt hot water bottles, because they were literally in T-shirts. Well, not T-shirts, but, like, short sleeves, no, no undershirt, no gloves. And I'll tell you what, Harvey White impressed me. He, I've seen him a few times. He's got a real good kick on him. He took some shots. He played force nine. He's the kind of player that I think has struggled because they haven't found a real defined role for him. And I hope they get him out on loan because he impressed me. Bissouma, I think he was, like Bissouma can be a bit lax with his passing a couple of times and there was at moments, but when he got forward, tackling, his passing, his ability to see a pass, it was really good. And I definitely think that he isn't, yes, you can play him as an anchor man, but I think he's so much better when you just give him that freedom and say, look, just go forward. And with Benton Court being injured, um, I really do think this could be his moment to shine. Um, I'm trying to think of Judd Spence. There are a couple of moments where maybe it's just the English thing, the lack of technique, because he took a couple of touches too many. That could be a lack of game time, everything else, but he impressed. He really did impress. Um, he drove him and Kulczewski seemed to build up an understanding. I mean, for me, I mean, Harvey White really, uh, Ollie Skip mopped up uh, and put in some real crunching tackles. <laughs> I don't think this is definitely no friendly. Uh, he put in some crunching tackles in there. Uh, Matt Doherty, it was interesting because he actually was seemed to be the nominal captain for this game. Um, showed a bit of skill. I don't know if he's, he didn't look, obviously, cause you, obviously it's not as good, it's obviously Spurs place. He can't see all the camera angles and stuff like that. But, and, you know, Obviously, he was playing on the left-hand side. But I honestly can think that... I, I mean, Spence impressed me. Doherty, if given the chance, I think he'll probably be starting, I'm assuming, against Brentford. Um, and Harvey White, like I said, I'm hoping come January... Because obviously, this is going to be a... I mean, this is huge. I mean, transfer window. But I'm hoping that Harvey White can get a loan out. Uh, Alfie Devine, oh, God, that guy, he doesn't treat anything like a friendly either. He's got some crunching tackles in. I'm hoping that... Both him and, you know, can get, can get a line. Now, John didn't really impress me that much. Made a few few errors. Uh, and there was another guy, was it Will Lancashire? He's only 17, and I don't know if there's any more growth left in him because he's like six foot two. He's built like a rugby prop forward, like broad, broad shoulders. And well, wasn't that wasn't that slow either? So, um, like I said, I'm hoping that you know, we're going to see some loans. Obviously, I think there's a game against Nice coming up. It's not, it'll be after the World Cup. So, we're interested to see how many players come back. Um, obviously, obviously, we know that uh, Perisic, Romero and Lloris will still be out there God knows how long and then they'll probably wake up and come back, be back to the new year. So, obviously, I think that's Richie to come back. So, yeah, I think, like I said, I'm, I'm feeling positive. I mean, I think, and Kane, I'm hoping, honestly, I say this, I haven't spoken this before, but I'm hoping he really gets a break. He doesn't, like, he literally gets time to rest his mind, 
and hopefully the media, they won't leave him alone, especially if it's English media, but hopefully Spurs, England and his reps are able to give him that time away so he can just basically lick his wounds because I, I think Kane's got what, Kane got what, four or five assists in this World Cup and he's doing great in assists in, in the Premier League. A fired up Harry Kane, watch out, Premier League. It should be fun to watch once uh, once January rolls around, and obviously we're only a few weeks away from it, almost almost through this thing and almost back to club football where we all want to be. Uh, Shuban, thanks a lot for for jumping on with me today and uh, and giving me some some content and some segment. Uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we will be talking to you soon. As as like I said, Spurs football right around the corner. We we will have a lot to talk about uh, heading into the new year. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks again to Shuban for chatting with me about all of that. Uh, Scott, you you watched some of the highlights of that exhibition game, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, I, I opted not to buy Spruce play. I, I almost did, and then I think it was like, what, 45 pounds, which is actually for the first time probably less than $45. Um, but either way, I was not interested, and I, I didn't bum Shuban. Um, but I watched highlights, I think. Um, you know, Spence looked good in everything I saw. Doherty looked pretty good in everything I saw. Kulisevsky was clearly the main man on the field, and I think everyone probably would have expected him to be, you know, with that type of lineup being put out. But beyond that, you know, I think I won't, won't sit here and pretend to, to be able to, to – to, that I can offer too much advice, right, or too much insight. Sorry, geez, get it together here, but – I, I think ultimately where I probably missed watching it was seeing some of the guys that got minutes, you know, some of the guys from the youth squad, guys that have probably never gotten minutes with my eyes on them anyways. So, yeah, missed opportunity. But it sounds like Conte was pretty happy with the performance. Um, and, you know, we're, we we hear grumblings on social media. At least my wife tells me that Conte says Jed Spence passed the test against uh, against Mother Mother, Motherwell. 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 Yeah. Motherwell. Thank you. Almost said Millwall. Wasn't um, Millwall. <laughs> yeah. No, I think <laughs> but, I think your your points well taken. Though. I, like I said, I I didn't watch. I think I saw maybe a clip or two on posted on the Bird app, but uh, I, and I and I actually bought Spurs play, play at the start of the year and have enjoyed some of the content on there. Um, we talked uh, either last week or the week before about the the uh the spurs women documentary that's on there that was very entertaining um so there's definitely content on there but i come on man you're talking about friday it was friday morning early here i wasn't gonna watch it live um I, to go back this weekend when all the world cup games are on and i you know i got a life too i i just can't sit through 90 minutes of a friendly plate on the academy training pitch um against motherwell but, uh, you know, maybe I'll check out they, – they do have one more of these before the season resumes. They play Lille uh, a week from Wednesday on the 21st. So I don't know how many teams – or how many players, rather, are really going to get into that game. Um, I would kind of be surprised if it's a lot of them, considering the team plays the following Monday. Maybe you want to get some guys' minutes, but, um, you know, maybe like 30 just, just to get their legs under them. But I also wouldn't expect that we're going to see – any of the players that were eliminated from the world cup uh, back there, I'm sure they're going to have time off uh, maybe a week or two, probably miss a game or two, even coming out of the break uh, would be my guess. But 
you know, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I you know I'm I'm sitting here thinking in real time. I wonder how much time they'll take off actually because it is in season. They would have been playing regardless. They've they've gotten you know a little bit of a holiday in the sense that they've played three matches and you, you're never training extensively during a tournament, right? You're just you're going through the paces. But I you know I think I think all of them deserve a break. But I'd be curious if anybody doesn't even opt to take much of one and just gets back to North London to prepare for what's ahead. Because I think for me, the World Cup has been such a distract distraction from the fact that. There's a hell of a lot to play for the second half of the season and some exciting soccer coming up. So I, I'll be curious to see what happens, especially for some of these guys who are in the midst of a competition, right? If I'm if I'm Benteker, if I'm Hoybier, I can only assume that Basuma's been busting his ass for the last, you know, three weeks back in North London. Um, and I don't know if I want to spend a whole lot of time away, but 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 we'll see. Yeah, I, I think it'll be an enforced break for some of these players. I think that I, I hear your point. Sure. They would have been they no, would have been playing right, anyway. Man. They would have been playing anyway. But at the same time, you know they're going to have such a condensed schedule in in the rest of this season, especially when in I think it's February or April. I can't remember which. There's like there's a lot of games. It's similar to what we just had in October. Um, and especially if there's a cup run to be made, if there's a Champions League run to be made, the the fixtures will pile up. So. I think you want to get a little bit of rest in those legs, but I hear you. I mean, those guys are going to want to, you know, be getting back into things um, and doing it as, as quickly as possible when at, when at all possible. Um, by the way, I think I said they play Lille next Wednesday. If I did, I would, that was wrong. They play Nice, um, not Lille, uh, next Wednesday, the 21st. Um, so that'll be something to watch, I guess, um, before, you know, we still got, like I said, Still got two weeks till the league is back in full. Um, and two weeks, you know, that's I think that's Christmas Day is two weeks. Yeah, it is. Probably, look at yeah. me, look at me figuring things out uh, as we record on the air on the calendar. Yeah, two week, two weeks from this recording uh, on the eleventh is Christmas, oh. and a day later Spurs are back. So World Cup final next week. We'll we'll have a pot out after that, and then uh, you know we'll figure out what we're doing that weekend with uh with a game on Monday on boxing day. So uh, before we do get out of here, just wanted to mention uh, Caroline was not able to join us. So not a full women's recap for you today, but uh, Spurs women did lose two one to West Ham this morning. Um, I know you, you mentioned you would watch the first or second half of that game. I missed it entirely, um, but not, not a good look for, for Spurs women. They should not be, they, they're on a little bit of a, a little bit of a rut here and it doesn't sound pretty. Um, but again, I, I didn't. I didn't get to watch the game. I would. I would advise everyone if you want a little bit more on Spurs women, head over to Caroline's other podcast, N Seventeen Women. They will have a full recap out. I'm sure this week um, on the West Ham match. But Spurs, Spurs have now fallen six points back of West Ham and are seventh on the table. Um, that's yeah, not great. Yeah, and I think they're really the only thing I can offer from the second half is. And and there have been a fair amount of changes. I, I know that that you know we're trying to play some people back. Um, some work to do, but I think pretty natural of a team who you know is is fairly new to the women's super league still, and um, again is trying to get some players back back into fitness, which is never never you know an easy thing to do when you're trying to keep a, a ship steady. 
no question about it. Uh, Spurs women are back in action this Wednesday. They play a, a makeup game against Everton at midweek. So um, I think that was the game where the pitch was iced out that they rescheduled. Uh, so that is that is coming up this Wednesday, and then uh, we will be able to talk to you about their League Cup triumph, hopefully over Southampton next Sunday. Also, the World Cup uh, final will be next Sunday, so we'll we'll chat a little bit about that on the next edition of the Tottenham Depot. Scott, thanks for for joining me for this one. You can follow him at DSM Spurs. You can follow me at a Stetka. More importantly, follow us at Tottenham Depot on all our, all your social media. Uh, and drop us a line, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Until next week, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>